You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I'm Rachel Kudlak and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hi there, excited for another episode of Girls with Graphs. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We're super excited um, to have yet another episode on season three. So without further ado, Rachel, um, would you like to just give us a quick shout out or give us a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's podcast? Yes, yes. So today's podcast is powered by the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA. NFPA is a nonprofit that seeks to save lives and reduce loss with information, knowledge, and passion. You can learn more about fire safety and explore their vast variety of educational resources by visiting www.nfpa.org. And without further ado, I'm so excited to have today's guest joining us today. So on the podcast today, we have Anthony Rosano, who is a certified public accounting, accountant, CPA, licensed sports agent, and an NFL certified contract advisor. He has made a career out of negotiating successful contracts for his clients and providing expert tax and business advice since 2006. Born and raised in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, Anthony harbored childhood dreams of becoming a professional football player. However, at a young age, Anthony was tragically injured in a fire that resulted in burns covering 87% of his body, and he lost his left hand. He was not expected to survive, but defied all odds. After an intense recovery, he became the starting outside linebacker for the Newcastle Red Hurricanes high school football team, demonstrating an unbreakable spirit and determination that has been a hallmark of his life. Today, he is the author of the upcoming memoir, Against All Odds, which tells his inspiring journey from the fire back to the football field and his successes in the fields of sports, finance, and sorry, in finance and sports management. Anthony is an embodiment of power of resilience, fortitude, and tech tenacity. So thank you, Anthony, for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, uh, Rachel and Amber. I really appreciate it. Thank you to the NFPA for making this even possible. And uh, thank you to the Phoenix Society and all the burn survivors around the world who, uh, you know, have inspired me to, to do the best that I can and be the best that I can. And it's just, uh, it's real special to be here with you guys. Well, Anthony, we're super excited to have you today. Um, I'd like to kick us off with getting to learn a little bit more about your burn injury. I know Rachel gave us a quick synopsis, but um, anytime we have a survivor on the show, we really like to know in your own words, kind of telling us a little bit about your journey. So if it's okay with you, we'd love to get started with kind of learning a little bit about more, more of that journey that you've had. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it was, um, I was injured on Halloween day, 1987. Uh, I was 12 years old. It was the day of my Pop Warner championship football game. And, um, and me and my buddies were just hanging around kind of waiting for the game to, for the game that evening. And, uh, we had, uh, no intentions of, of doing anything except just horsing around. 
we decided to, uh, I went from one of my friend's houses to, uh, we decided to go back to my house and we walked through the woods and, um, and there were kids huffing gasoline on a, uh, on a quad motorbike, uh, something as a 12 year old, we never did. These were older kids. And, um, and so they, they asked us to join in and do that. Um, you know, I'd like to, I wish that I hadn't. So I do give a talk about what's called uh, split uh, split second decision-making, you know, and I say, you know, sometimes if you could make a decision in a split second, it can change your entire life. Well, we left those guys and my buddy and I went back to my garage and, and uh, me and him decided, you know, that was, let's go out to this garage and we sniffed gas again, uh, 12-year-old being stupid, doing bad things. Um, and a, uh, my buddy had lit a match without the intention of it turning out the way that it did. Uh, and I caught on fire at my ankles and, you know, just was engulfed in flames inside the garage. Um, I was trapped in the garage and, and, uh, and then I was able to get my way out by the way, I, the time I got my way out, I was on fire from my ankles to my neck, my whole jacket it was burning on my hair uh i was very fortunate that um i had neighbors who saw me and heard me screaming and came out and covered me with an army blanket and put out the fire um but in that time you know just in the short period of time i was burned so severely um i was laying on the ground with uh, 87 percent body burns uh third degree burns full thickness burns from my ankles to my neck uh um, I lost my left hand was fourth degree burn and it was just uh, I would ultimately lose that. Uh, I was life flighted to West Penn Hospital in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, now part of the Allegheny uh, uh, health system, uh, where I was treated by an expert professionals who really they told my parents that I was more than likely going to die. They gave me a zero percent chance to survive. He said, if I live for a day, I would die in three days. If I live for three days, I'd die in, in three weeks of infection. Um, they used uh, cadaver skin and, uh, and pig skin on me uh, inside the burn unit. I'm one of the first people that that was used on in that type of capacity to, to save my donor sites. And, um, and even though I had some my last rights given to me three times and some very traumatic moments in there, uh, fortunately, I was able to get out of uh, the burn unit just two and a half months later, and um, and I embarked on a, a lot of physical therapy that I'm sure uh, all burn survivors can identify with, which is very, very painful and, and, and difficult to get through. And um, I met great people who inspired me along the way, and they helped me not only to get back on my feet, but they helped me to get back on the football field. Uh, where I would ultimately be the starting linebacker for my uh, high school football team, and that's one of uh, the it's one of the great memories of triumph in getting and uh, coming through my accident. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and the split decision making. It's so funny because I'm sure. I mean, it's not funny, but you look back and you're like, oh, if I had made a different decision that day, like I think about that with my accident too. Of like, oh, I made a decision, and I look back and think, oh, like one decision could have right, change the course of, of history, so. You know, it's it's true, um, but, you know, throughout, throughout time, I mean, if we dwell on that, you're gonna encounter a lot of mental health issues as well, 
which sure. as part of as being a burnt survivor is something that you have to deal with all the time. You have to deal with how my body looks and how I feel and what ifs in the past. But mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is um, you have, in my mind, I, I've learned to realize that if one decision can impact your life in such a dramatic way and cause so much trauma, then you could also make a corresponding decision that can change your life in a fantastic way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something uh, from a mindset standpoint that is very important to embrace and understand. We are capable. Um, and the reason that I wrote my book, Against All Odds, it wasn't to, you know, for anything about myself. It's to give credit to the people that helped to save my life, to tell my story for burn survivors so they can understand just how difficult I really dive deep into the burn injury, what it was like in the in the burn unit, um, all the all the challenges of, you know, of of growing up. And uh, and I want my 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 friends who I mean, I don't even know the people who have gone through an accident like me to understand that, look, even though it was so bad, I still was able to get back on the field. I still have a, a beautiful wife uh, who I've been married to for 24 years and two beautiful children who I'm so proud of. And, you know, and so, and, and I've been able to build myself a, a career and have a good functional lifestyle um, in spite of only having one hand and, and everything that all the, all the cards that were dealt. And I'm hoping that, that people who may not feel, uh, the ability to get up from maybe their state or to accomplish some of their dreams, they could read my story and say, you know, I can do anything I want, whether I'm an artist, whether I want to work in construction, whether I want to be the president of the United States, mm -hmm. you can do it. And your, and your burn injuries don't have to hold you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us and our listeners. Um, so we're definitely going to talk more about, you know, you getting back on the football field, but before all of that, can you just share a little bit about what it was like going back to school? And, you know, I know for young burn survivors, especially that transition back to school and your friends who probably have never seen a burn survivor before you, how did they react or how, what was that experience like for you? Well, um, the West Penn Burn Unit was very kind, and they did a uh, presentation to my school and had an assembly. And I come from a very tight-knit, small community um, named Newcastle, Pennsylvania, where everyone knew and loved each other. You know, it was a really supportive environment. And so when I was in the hospital, there was prayer chains, and there was a lot of different things that, that the community supported me and helped me get through. So it was interesting because there was so much of an outpouring of love and support for me that the, that it, it, it kind of made me, uh, you know, just comfortable in terms of everyone being kind. Um, but internally what I was going through was something different because I was a seventh grader and I went from, you know, just before school started this going to sixth to seventh grade to getting my first kiss you know, as a young kid and, you know, and having a girlfriend for the first time and, you know, playing sports and just being introduced to just a coming of age type of moment to now just a few months later, I'm walking around. I could barely walk. I'm hunched over. I have a Job's garment on. I've, I've uh, Job's garment around my face and all over my body. I can barely move. And so, 
personally, what I did is I put up some sort of defense mechanism. I tried to act like there was nothing wrong and it didn't bother me. And, um, you know, I think that that's just what we do when we deal with grief. You know, everybody deals with grief differently and loss. Um, I put up a defense mechanism. I was in denial and I just tried to act like nothing was wrong. Um, that's that's what I did. Um, but it was too hard. You know, I was burned in Oct on Halloween. They had uh, I was I had introduced back to school in March and um, it was just too much for me at the time. So I, I asked my parents, I said, look, it's getting through the day is very difficult right now. I couldn't just getting from class to class. I was exhausted. So they allowed me to take off. I lost a year of school. Uh, in that summer, I would still hang around my friends and I did more physical therapy. Um, and by the time uh, school came around the next year, you know, I, it was just, it was a lot easier. And, uh, and people understood the story so well. But, you know, what I would say is in terms of getting back to school, what you have to do is you have to deal with your own emotions and you have to rely on 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 counselors because your parents don't necessarily know how to handle this situation. And, you know, I come, my parents did their very best. Uh, the community did their very best, but be honest with yourself and understand that you're beautiful and the, the burn injuries, they're, they're, they're a part of your beauty and it makes you who you are. And, and there's no difference between you and everyone else. The only difference is that when you are introduced to people, they can see, one of the worst things that happened to you right up front. And, but everybody has had things that they carry along in their life that, that, uh, that bother them. And when, and so if you, if you could wrap your head around uh, that and the fact that you can, you can use this to teach other people and people are still going to love you and be kind, then, uh, then every, the adjustment will be fine because everyone in school is adjusting. Yeah. I love that. I think it, it can be difficult to kind of get back to where you need to. And I, I love that your, your family allowed you to do that at your own pace too, mm -hmm. right? Like recognizing that you needed some time. I know that it took me some time to feel like I could get back to where like, right. I felt comfortable and sometimes it doesn't take that year. So I love that they gave you that grace. Cause I think it's important for caregivers to remember, like sometimes as survivors, we do need some grace as well. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a question. Cause I know for me, there was a point in my in injury where I thought I couldn't get back to doing the things that I loved and, and, you know, not sure if I was able to kind of get back. And I know football was a, a, a choice that you really loved. Um, was there a point where you thought, Oh, I won't be able to do this again. Um, and maybe how did you overcome that? Or um, how long after your injury did you realize like I could, I could do this? Well, see, I was, I was 12. <laughs> so, yeah. So at the age of 12, um, there wasn't anything. I, I, when I was in the emergency room, I was asking if I could play that night, you know, <laughs> looking down on my burn injuries that were all over, you know, I was asking. Um, but uh, at the same time, the whole time we were in the hospital, uh, I was being told, hey, look, you can you can do this. And I was asking my my Aunt Carol actually put a, uh, a, a, a radio in my room so I could hear the Newcastle High School football team playing. Um, so I, I would say that there was probably some doubts, but they didn't let me see it. And, uh, and I believed that I would get back on the football field. And that was kind of, uh, what was in my mind from day one and, uh, and what I strive to do the whole time, uh, to me, it wasn't really, 
you know, they never tell you that, hey, you have a zero percent chance to survive. To me, it was like I need to get back on my feet, and get out there. And, you know, um, and, and I fought with that in mind and and uh, and the good Lord blessed me and, and it ended up happening. So um, I'm sure there was a lot of doubts out there, but uh, but it, it, it definitely worked. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, so what advice would you give, you know, other folks, maybe survivors, you know, children, teens, to even adults who are early, you know, in very early on in their recovery, and they're struggling with that physical healing, you know, I we hear folks who, you know, are were very active before their burn injury and are, are scared that they won't be able to get back to that active lifestyle. Well, you know, that's a it's a first of all, I live, and I'm sure if you're a burn survivor, you live with pain every single day. There, it's just part of it, right? You know, mm -hmm. the scars could be painful. Some of the contractors never really loosen up the way that you want them to. And so there's a stiffness and, you know. So as you go through this adjustment period, number one, just understand that there will be differences, okay? You will have to adapt, okay? Um, and you're gonna, and sometimes it will hurt and, and sometimes more than others. But uh, so if, if you want to adopt a, a, a healthy lifestyle, you have to go at a slower pace to get started with. You have to love yourself enough to understand that I can't necessarily get started where I was, but I can start from where I am today. Mm -hmm. And I may not get back to where I would have been, but I'm going to get back to a place that I can be proud of. And and that and when you understand that your 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 journey has changed a bit but your person hasn't, then you recognize that it doesn't matter where you end up. It's going to be a beautiful story along the way and it will all be worth it. So, so, so start at your pace, take it step-by-step step every day and, and grow into loving yourself. Uh, and once you fall back in love with who you are and what your future holds, then you are going to be happier than you may have been to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love, I love that. And, you know, that slower pace is okay. Um, you know, and for our listeners who maybe want some other tips, you know, even if maybe you make a weekly goal for yourself, you know, you didn't get to where you were before your injury overnight. Um, so you're not going to get back to where you were before your injury overnight either. So maybe it's setting some different weekly goals. And, you know, each week you try to get better a little bit better 1% better or something like that each week could could really be helpful and have fun. That's the mm -hmm. key. It, see, when you're having, when you're doing something and you're having fun, all of a sudden you're not feeling the pain that you were, you know, mm -hmm. if you, if, whether it's playing tennis or basketball or playing catch in the backyard, have fun, you mm -hmm. know, and, and if you go out and have fun, then you're going to be able, and that's, that's really what it's about. And, uh, and then you're going to be able to ride a bike. You're going to be able to do the things you want to do. And, uh, and just enjoy your life and, and, and find uh, pieces of happiness every day. Yeah, I find survivors so many, so many times I've heard like say, I feel, you know, I'm in pain, I feel defeated. And, and I think that happens a lot when, when you become a newly injured survivor, like we've all been there. But I think the survivors that have like overcome that through finding like, what are you passionate about? How can you get back to like those small goals? I know as a survivor myself, I also did something of that nature of like, okay, I can't just sit here and feel bad for myself all day because if I do, it's going to make things more painful. I'm going to feel worse about myself. So what can I, what did I love to do before and how can I apply that to what, 
you know, I want to do after and those little like small goals that Rachel was talking about as well. So, you know, for me, it was yoga, but for you, it was football, right? So how can you kind of apply yourself and realize like, I can sit here and feel bad for myself, or I can go back to doing football and really finding something that I'm passionate about. And I think when you have your mind on something else, it definitely helps with that recovery as well. Oh, no doubt. And the other thing that really helps with your recovery is thinking is, I realize if you're not giving a part of yourself to other people, to other communities, then if you're, if it's all about your recovery, then you are your biggest obstacle. But if you can find a way to channel your energy, even into your children, your parents, your loved ones, your friends, and you're giving of yourself to them, then you're saying, I need to be my best so I could be the best for my family. You know, I need to be my best so I could be the best for my school. I need to be my best so I could be the best human being for my church or, or wherever it is that your passion lies. Now, your work has less to do with your pain and more to do with your mission. And mm. that makes it a lot easier to get through. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, well, I want to jump ahead a little bit because I was very um, interested to read your bio, Anthony, and learn that you are a um, not only a CPA, but a sports agent as well. So that sounds very exciting. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit about how you kind of got into both of those careers, but also um, and maybe walk us through what life is like today for Anthony. Well, um, so that's a that's a great question. And, you know, when I was graduating high school, and as I was growing up, my uh, my uncle Tony Rosano was the director of player scouting for the San Francisco 49ers from 1977 to 1991. And prior to that, he started a, uh, a sports agency called uh, United Pro Athletes. And he represented guys like Franco Harris and Jack Tatum. And he was one of the early agents in the NFL. I had such an admiration for him. Um, my uncle Ricky played for the Cincinnati Bengals and he was in Super Bowl 16 against Uncle Tony's team, the 49ers. So growing up as a child, I was around pro football. And so it was like part of our culture and our, our life. Um, so after I realized that, you know, my playing days were done, I started to redirect my dreams. And I had this idea that I wanted to still have a career in pro football, but I knew that it wasn't going to be as a player. And so I had this dream early on where I wanted to be a, uh, an NFL agent like my uncle. Um, so I go to college and, uh, and study accounting and end up, you know, falling in love with the accounting practice and uh, getting a master's degree in taxation. And I just started following one step after another. You know, next thing I knew, I had my own private practice. Then I started an investment side of my practice where we we're doing investment management. Uh, then I founded a minor league football team in 2006 and started operating that, recruiting players and getting involved and building a team. Uh, that, that went on for a few years where we had a lot of fun. Um, and then I, I started to get acquainted with the sports industry. I had a, a, a small stint working with a company. And then, uh, and then I just decided, you know, I want to I be an agent. And so I, I sat back, I studied, uh, passed the examination. And um, and now uh, now that I'm licensed, uh, I'm going to push forward this fall uh, with launching, uh, relaunching uh, the United uh, Pro Athletes that my uncle Tony started back in the 1970s. 
Uh, so this is a this is an announcement, so to speak, today because uh, that we're gonna we're gonna resurrect that corporation and uh, and hopefully do good for athletes and uh, and help them not only with their uh, with their contract advisory but also with fiscal or sound financial management as well. That's awesome. That's really cool. Congratulations on that, and it's it's great to hear that um, you're continuing to follow follow your passions even even so many years later, right? Continuing to follow your dreams and what you're passionate about. That's inspiring for sure. There, there's no doubt. And and see what I'm, I'm in the background putting together right now um, is I'm putting together a relationships with major uh, uh, blood donation uh, corporations that you've heard of and along with uh, uh, hospital burn units around the country, uh, starting with the uh, Allegheny Health System. And I, I have I ex have an expectation to do our book launch uh, with the announcement that we're going to have, uh, a, at least in Pittsburgh, uh, major blood donation drive along with a partnership with the Allegheny Health Network. I have, I have communication going on actually later this on Thursday where we've been deep into it. So um, I really want to, I, I believe that there's a couple prong approach here. I would like to help burn units raise money because I realized that if Richard Mellon Scaife of the Mellon family, he's the one who donated the money to the West Penn, Dr. Gaysford in the Allegheny, West Penn Allegheny Burn Unit to start it in the 1970s. And without that donation and those philanthropic investments, I would not be here today. And I want people who make those philanthropic investments to understand, look, this is a, you saved my life. Not only did you save my life, but you saved my children's life and you saved their children, God willing's lives. And now look at the positive outcome. You know, the things that I've been able to do in my life from a professional standpoint, that's a good thing. But more, but beyond that, being able to share this with other people to help them overcome is more important than anything that I could ever do for myself in business. And so I, I do have a, a pretty big goal uh, to, to go around the country and raise blood and visit children and burn hospitals. And um, I'm really hoping that the community nationwide will accept me on this mission. And I'm calling it the never give up mission. And, uh, and, and I hope to do some good things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see if, if we get the proper support will be the sky's the limit. But I, I just want to help people. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for, you know, the work you're, you're doing behind the scenes right now, you know, and if there's anything I know about our community, we certainly rally around a cause that we care about. So um, I'm sure, you know, many folks will want to get involved with that. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and on top of all of that behind the scenes work, you also recently released a book um, and it's titled Against All Odds and it's actually being released today. So we will have the links to purchase the book in our show's description, get it on Amazon as well as your website. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on, on the book release. That's so exciting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the book and what um, readers can expect to learn? Right, definitely. Um, I'm really excited to, uh, to to release Against All Odds. It's uh, it's Against All Odds, a story of uh, faith, courage, and never giving up. And um, we've been very fortunate that uh, it got published by a large uh, international uh, publishing company. Wiley has picked it up, and uh, it'll be available uh, throughout the country. And the story, um, it, it, it tells the story from about the small town that I grew up in 
and it sets a, a backdrop of Newcastle, Pennsylvania and Western Pennsylvania, uh, an old steel town, uh, tells the story of my accident, uh, the, the up and down uh, from everything from being on fire uh, to being put out to being taken by ambulance to the emergency room and all the all the fillings are deep inside that uh, to the to getting taken to seeing my mom and dad for the first time uh, after my accident when they came into the emergency room and saw me I, I didn't have any garments on and they saw me just burn from head to toe and I told them I was sorry and they cried and they loved me and they told me my father told me we would walk out together I was very special uh, and my mother told me that I didn't have anything to be sorry about. And to their time when really I was in the hospital and in my bed losing so much blood, uh, 134 blood transfusions, 43 surgeries, the loss of my left hand. I talk uh, about the dressing changes and, and some of the, the processes and pains that you had to deal with uh, in, in getting through that. And, uh, and I go on to talk uh, really about the roller coaster ride in the burn unit. And, uh, and finally, the, Dr. Goldfarb and, and, and Linda Leonard, who was my primary nurse, and many other people who just took care of me and loved me and did what they could to make me survive. Uh, you know, I tell the story about coming back to school and, and fighting to get back on the football field. And and what it took, you know, the, the grit that it took and, and the support, but not only that, but the people that it took, the, the coaches uh, who inspired me, my friends who inspired me and said, you can, um, the chances that I got, the practice that people said, hey, you're no different than anybody else. You just keep fighting. And those, those small moments uh, to tell people in communities that it's so important to be a mentor and to, and to give a, a, a good word to somebody who's fighting, whether they're injured or not. And, and I tell the story of these, these people, and, and I also tell the story of, of interacting back with my friends and the loss of one of my dear friends, Stacy Scott, who, was, uh, who died and was murdered in high school. He was one of my teammates. And what it was like to stand in front of his casket and, and, and a very compelling story about how, how you know, race affects your life. And, and how I didn't understand that in football camp. And we lived in very close proximity, but we had such different things that we had to deal with. And I finally go on to talk about what it was like to get on the ball field. And I give the readers uh, like a, a five-stage uh, plan that they can use in their life and their business uh, that it's kind of based on the five stages of grief. But you could also, I've, I've used that as a mantra, a mantra in my life to, uh, uh, whether it's starting a business, getting an education, overcoming the accident, you know, living in a marriage and being a father that you can use to be successful uh, if you, if you just, uh, if you, if you focus on it. So it's been, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful read. I, it's quick and I, uh, and I hope you like it. You know, if you like it, uh, it let me know and. You know, I hope it inspires other people to do good things the best that they can, is which is most important, and uh, and the, so that they can live a happy life. So, Anthony, telling your story, telling or telling the survivor story is a big part of our community of how important that is to be able to kind of get out there and um, in your own words, right? Whether it's in a written form or kind of like an open the mic or however it is, is is really important to a lot of survivors. 
um, but it takes sometimes a long time to get there. Um, for you, what kind of inspired you to kind of decide, I want to put pen to paper and, and kind of get out there and tell this um, memoir about kind of not just your burn journey, but, you know, after that as well. And um, what was the kind of the inspiration behind you wanting to do that? Well, a lot of burn survivors, people go through traumatic injuries. Everyone's always saying to write a book. Uh, there's this, you know, there, this has been literally something that we talked about since I was, you know, a child. Um, I got inspired when I went on a uh, pilgrimage to uh, Poland. Uh, my wife and children and I were blessed with the opportunity to travel with Father Joe Luisi and a group of 40 people. And we saw, we went on a pilgrimage to follow uh, St. Uh, Pope John Paul II and his life from where he was born and all the way through his ministry to the point where he was uh, uh, appointed a cardinal. And going through that religious pilgrimage really helped me to, to see my journey in a different way. You know, it was a really, it was a special time. Um, and I, I really started to think about that. And it was in August of 2007 or 19. Um, and then COVID hit the following April. And I'll never forget the exact thought that I had. Everyone was so scared. And it reminded me of my burn injury. And it reminded me like, you know, of when they said, if he lives for a day, he's going to die in three days. He lives for three days, he's going to die in three weeks. And it made me stop and say, I need to share the story of my injuries because the world is sick right now. And I want the world to know that if I got to where I am today, that the world is going to heal and there's going to be a bright days in the future too. And that was, I didn't realize it was going to take me a year and a half to write, you know, how long it would take and how much emotion would go into it. But that, that is truly what, uh, we're, we're, what got the ball rolling is, is when COVID hit, it was just like, I said, this is something that I have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, you know, hearing you say, you've always been talking about writing a book, even from when your injury happened. Um, it's funny, a lot of survivors do end up writing memoirs because it's such a, it's a release of, I can get my story out there. And you, I mean, even with journaling, you can really take ownership of your journey and your story in a, a new and powerful way than just, you know, saying it or talking it through. So, um, you know, I'm excited for the community to read the book. I've, I got a little sneak peek, so I'm ahead of the game there a little. Um, but what advice would you give, you know, survivors who do want to write a book or want to even just start journaling and, you know, writing your emotions and reliving, you know, injuries from even years and years ago can be triggering um, and maybe brings up emotions you you forgot you had or you suppressed for a long time. So what advice would you give Um other survivors who are looking to write, write a book? Well, the first thing that I'm going to say is you do not have to be a superhero. Okay. Mental health issues are real. When in coping with your circumstances in your body and who you are and the way that people look at you sometimes and the way people will behave, it's, 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 it, there people, it, it can cause you a feeling that is not so great. And so when you learn how that, uh, to get through that, if you write it down, if you write your book, you write your story, um, be prepared to that. It's a very emotional thing because in, in writing my story, 
it wasn't only emotional to go through my accident, but it was also emotional to go through my parents' divorce, which was a big thing, you know, that I've, I've been dealing with my whole life. And in the feelings of abandonment in some ways, but they were not intended to be that way. Just have to deal with it. And then also the feeling of going through this accident and all the pain. Boy, when you really look back on it, it's just, it's, it's hard to believe that you went through that. And then you start to cry about it and you start to feel the emotion behind it. And you start to say, you, then you start to feel thankful and you feel the gratitude because you even had the strength to endure it. And once you get to that point where you're thankful for everything you went through and you can see the brightness in your day today, that process is a process that's worth it for you. So whether you get there by just talking about it or writing a journal or writing a book, I just want you to do it because when you get to the point where you feel gratitude and love for your life, every single moment, then you'll recognize true healing. And with that said, here's one thing I learned along the way. The past, our injuries and our pain, they no longer exist as a fact. As a fact, our past is, is gone. So if we live and dwell in our past and think about our past and it bothers us in the way that today, then that means our present is clouded by our past, which no longer exists. And if there's one thing we know about our present is our present is constantly fleeting. So the only thing we have to look for is tomorrow. So if we're living in the past, what's tomorrow gonna be like? You already have the forecast. But once you get to reconcile that the past is gone, it allows you to step into a brand new day as the person you are, accepting yourself, loving yourself, being yourself, and that future will be bright. And that's what writing my book has taught me. That's beautiful. I love that you were able to gain all of that, right? Just just from putting your pen to the paper and kind of reflecting on things. And um, we know it's definitely important. Um, I know I've talked to my counselor about this, but like writing things down is actually super healing for us too, right? That's um, not only is it an opportunity to give back, but it's also just very healing for us. Um, and I know that's just one way that survivors like to give back, right? Um, through kind of telling their story. Um, but Anthony, I think you probably could tell us a little bit more about the power of just giving back. You know, you talked a little bit about some of the other th initiatives you have um, going, but I, as it relates to maybe advocacy and philanthropy, I'd love to just hear in your own words, kind of what that means like to give back um, to you and, and why that you think that's important. Well, you know, there's been so many uh, giving back in life, uh, doesn't only mean giving back money. It means giving of yourself. And I tell my 11 year old boy that he has to, if he is, he loves to play ball. Yeah. That's a big thing in his life. And I tell him, if you're playing just for yourself, okay, then you're not going to be as successful as you want to be. You have to play for your teammates. You have to play for God. You have to play for your family and giving of yourself. It, it is, that is where you find true rewards in your life. Now, when I talk about giving back to a burn unit or the burn community, and there's two things. As burn survivors, we may not all have the, the financial means to be giving back 
in terms of like something substantial to make burn units survive. But our stories and what we went through and the way that we can help other people is more valuable than anything that we can do. And so it, it, that will help you to heal and have purpose in your life. So I would say join the Phoenix Society, get involved with Burn Concern in your community and do your best to uh, be part of the burn camps around the country and the, and, and the advocacy for burn survivors, because it's a beautiful community to be a part of. And that's somewhere that you fit in and no one will ever see you as different. And it's, that is really good. Um, in terms of the, the good people uh, who have tremendous financial means and the ability to make these things happen, then just understand that the innovations in burn graft technology and stem cell research and stem cell technology and surgery and the way to treat burn injuries, it doesn't only help your local community, but it helps the world. It helps people who are uh, in the military and get injured in war. It helps firefighters. It helps innocent children. And to be able to help save lives and then also communicate uh, or benefit money or have money go to the psychological and the uh, well-being for aftercare for burn survivors not only makes the community uh, better, but it helps to take people who are otherwise disabled and, and get them back on their feet so they're able to be uh, upstanding uh, tax-paying members of society. And, you know, that's a, that's a very important thing because it, it, it plays into your psychology as a human being and, and makes you very productive uh, in life. And, and those funds are very well, they mean something. Um, so, you know, with, without them, you know, I don't think many burn hospitals would be alive today. And I know that it, the treatment and a lot of people, when they leave the hospital, they're just struggling to have gauze in zero form. And, and different uh, types of uh, uh, lotion to put on their body. And there's, there's a lot of cost that goes into treatment after you're, post, after you're released from the burn hospital. That's a very costly and time-consuming thing. And, and a so, lot that insurance doesn't cover. So, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and so burn hospitals need help. You know, yeah. because you have an injury and now how you, and, and then there's a risk of infection and there's all kinds of bad things. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I believe that uh, that I and the other thing that did really good for me in the hospital was Rocky Blyer, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, John Stallworth, the Hall of Fame receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Joe Montana, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the 49ers. He sent me a football. Those other guys, wow. John uh, John Stallworth came to visit me. Rocky Blyer mentored me. Anthony Munoz drew four hours from Cincinnati to my house and met me in my and met me in my living room. The way that these NFL ball players came and surrounded me, it shows that they were not only Hall of Famers on the field, but they're Hall of Famers in life. And that's very important. So the way that the, the professional athlete community can get out there and they, they can inspire young people to get back on their feet and it, just understand that that means the world to these young people and, it, and mm -hmm. it can set them up for success in their lives. So again, that's not only given of your money, but it's given of your time and given of your spirit. Mm -hmm. That's such a special thing. I love that because I think it just takes a few minutes, right, to just acknowledge someone and especially when you aspire at such a young age, right, to be just like these folks, like getting to meet that person is, is just such a huge deal for someone and really motivating for them, I'm sure. Special. It's just special. Yeah. 
and you'll never forget that now either. Will you? <laughs> so, uh, well, I know we're coming up on time here, Anthony, but we always ask um, our survivors that join the show or any anyone that's kind of a guest here um, a couple of questions before they leave um, and exit us today. I'm going to change up my my question a little bit just because I know we've already asked you about advice, um, but you did acknowledge that you you did lose your left hand at such a young age. And I can imagine um, mm -hmm. losing losing a hand, um, you know, we use it for so much. I, I can imagine how challenging that can be. Um, and there are survivors out there, right, that whether it's losing an arm, a hand, a foot, mm -hmm. um, that can be a really tough obstacle to overcome. And I'm sure there were times where as a survivor, like that could be super challenging for you. Um, so I think the advice I would look for today is um, for someone who's maybe dealt with losing a limb, um, how would you, or what kind of advice would you give that person? Um, Cause you've obviously, you know, overcome that, but I'm sure there's still challenges that you face with, with that. So um, can you share a little bit about, about that experience with us today? Absolutely. Like opening a jar is a, is a rope. <laughs> <laughs> just try to, but uh, you know, but you yeah, find a way. Imagine. When there's a will, there's a way. You know, um, there was a very uh, poignant moment. I remember Dr. Moy at West Penn Burn Unit. My parents couldn't even tell me that they had I was going to lose my hand. And uh, Dr. Moy came in, and I was intubated, but they took the they they took the, uh, the breathing tube out, and I was able to like, talk for a minute. And uh, he told me what was going to happen, and. Um, I said to him, Doc, you know, save my life, not my hand. That's what I said. And so when you lost the limb, uh, you lost, there was, a, there, that's a real loss. And, and the pain of going through that is, is really traumatic. I mean, because your, your limb is very sensitive to the touch and you have to go through a lot of physical therapy or occupational therapy just to be able to, to and you wait for the inflammation that is tremendous, that's big in there to go down before the pain uh, really subsides. Mm -hmm. um, and so the process of, of getting back on your feet uh, in today's age, I mean, it is so much different than it was uh, 35 years ago or, or so when I was burned. Um, the, the advances that are being made in prosthetics and bionics are amazing. You know, I'm seeing videos today where they're hardwiring prosthetics into people's brains and they could fill with a prosthetic. Um, but I want people to understand, I mean, unless it's a, a lower leg injury that where you want to walk, you, you don't even necessarily need a prosthetic for, if you don't want it, you know, if you want it, then, then do your thing. And if you don't want it, then that's fine too. Um, but you're going to find a way to adapt. Okay. Because that's what we do as human beings. Okay. Um, that's the truth. Um, everybody can't jump high, but you know, there's a lot of people who can't jump high that shoot a basketball. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's all, everybody has obstacles in their life that they have to learn to deal with. And this is not a fun one. You know, this is, this is not a fun one, but it is one that nevertheless, um, in a professional environment, there are things that you can use like, uh, to help you to dictate rather than the type. Um, there's different tools that you could use with artificial intelligence to help you do research and, write things very well. Like uh, I write memos and do research all the time. 
Um, there are there are tools that make life easier for data entry. We could use artificial intelligence now to help with our data entry in, in our tax practice and help uh, in analyzing investment portfolios. And that doesn't take having you know multiple limbs. This is just a way of trying to figure out how to do more and to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's so when I talk about prosthetics, I also delve into technology and the advancements that are made in in other technology as well, because it allows us to use our mind. And if you have a healthy mind and you use and you focus on adapting in your intelligence, then you can break the the box in terms of any limitation that your injuries will may have on you. You just have to identify what it is that you want who you are, what you want to be, and then plan to be that, okay? You plan to be that, and then you use that same determination that you used when you were in that hospital. You use that to get back on your feet because that success of getting back out of that hospital is something that nobody could take away from you. Now, you take that success, and you and you take that out into the workplace, and, and it doesn't matter. I've played golf with guys who have one arm. I've played golf with guys who have no legs. I've played football with guys with one arm. I played football with a guy with no legs named Barbie, Bobby Martin. He played a, against our team. Um, so you, your limitations, you're either going to impose them on yourself, okay, which that's what you're doing. You're going to accept them and impose them on yourself, or you're going to impose your will on your limitations. On mm-hmm. You're going to decide who you want to be, and then you're going to find a way to make it happen. Because that it's no different that for an able-bodied person or somebody who is disabled, you got to decide who it is that you want to be, and you got to get up and get after it every day. And are there going to be stumbling blocks? Absolutely. It won't be any fun if it was just a straight. <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be mental health issues along the way where you're going to you're going to feel why me? I, look, I feel sometimes to this day why me? Uh, sometimes I feel it, it, you know it, it's so hard. You know, some, every single day. So don't let anyone let you think that their their life's perfect. Because no matter what, even after you go through these injuries, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to do things that you shouldn't do. But if you try to reconcile that and be a better person every day afterward for it, and you forgive yourself and you forgive the people around you, then that is going to help you to take the next step in life. And that's going to help you to make, live a more fulfilled life. So, you know, my campaign is called the Never Give Up Campaign. And just understand that never giving up means, yes, you were injured. Never giving up means, yeah, I made a bad decision that hurt me. And I made a bad, and you're going to still make bad decisions, but never give up on yourself. Mm -hmm. Never give up on yourself and what your dreams are, because you could wake up and the next day you could make that one decision that can change everything for you. So Mm -hmm. that would be my advice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anthony, for sharing that. And I love the sentiment of never give up. It's great advice for survivors, non-survivors, just anyone. So we appreciate that. Um, So with that said, our final question, um, it's our Phoenix Partner question, which today is sponsored by NFPA, an organization devoted to eliminating death, injury, property, and economic loss due to fire, electrical, and related hazards. So their question is, what is something you're grateful for today? It doesn't have to be burn survivor related at all. It can just be the simplest things, but we just would love to know what's one thing you're grateful for. Uh, well, I'm grateful for a lot, <laughs> you know, so, but I'm grateful to God. 
Okay. God, yeah, saved my life in so many ways. I'm grateful for my wife who is just an amazing human being and has been along this journey with me. And it's not easy. You know, there's been times where it's hard. Um, but what I'm, I'm grateful for my parents for, for loving and supporting me. And, uh, even though we had, it was difficult at times, they, it was hard and, you know, they did it. I'm grateful for my community, um, for being behind me and, and accepting me. Um, but most of all, in this date and time, I'm most grateful for my children. Um, I love my children so much. Uh, my daughter's 21 and she's starting her life now. And, and uh, just to, to have raised her, I think that before she was born, my wife and I were married, but we weren't yet a family. And she really gave us and became a family. Uh, and, I, and I got to experience a family unit. That, that I didn't really get to experience in the same fashion growing up. That, and that held me in ways that she would never understand. And now my son is 11 years old, embarking uh, on the 12-year-old age that I was when I was injured. And to see him grow, and he's my namesake, and we played ball together. Look, I hadn't had a baseball glove on in all these years, but having my son, I, I found a baseball glove at the field one day that fit me. And then it got me back to playing catch on the field with my son. And I'm actually able to, to go out there and play catch with him. And it's a special and, uh, and hit them balls now and, and be on that ball field and, and coaching those boys and giving them some, per, uh, some, an idea of what perseverance is in their lives, you know? So, you know, just, just having that opportunity with my son and to be a dad and to be a husband, it's uh, that's the biggest blessing that uh, God has given me. And uh, I'm so thankful for it that I can never even tell you. It's just, uh, it changed my life. It made me whole. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, Anthony. Um, we really appreciate just your sharing of inspiration to our community. I know that they are going to be um, so happy to kind of just hear everything you have to share and, and and really be able to feel inspired. I know I have felt inspired through this. So um, I want to thank you for that. Um, and as we close out, we will make sure to add in the show notes, um, the link to your website so, so folks can stay connected with you, um, but also the, the link to Amazon to purchase your book. Um, we're so happy to, to hear that it's, you know, been launched and we wish you the best of luck with it. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you to our, our sponsor, NFPA, the Phoenix Society. Thank you, Amber. You're an awesome person. And I appreciate you for, for having me here. Thank you, Rachel, for uh, emailing me and uh, responding to my email. And um, I'm looking forward. I'm going to be at the World Burn Congress this uh, year, just uh, hanging out and trying to uh, trying to meet people and looking forward to maybe meeting you both in person and uh and if there's anything I could ever do uh, for you, for the society, for the Burn community, please let me know because I'd be more than happy to. Thanks so much, Anthony. Thank we you. wish you the best. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode.